morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the IC Old People Podcast. Today is Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2019. It's quite quiet here at the office. The office staff is gone. I'm working in storage closet studios in uh, quite a uh, in a very quiet environment today because it is Christmas Eve and we've let the office staff uh, uh, off today. They are enjoying some time with family. Our caregivers, of course, are busy with all of their different uh, people that they care for. Uh, we never take a day off. We are open 24 hours a day when it comes to taking care, taking care of uh, people who need us, who need personal care at this time of year. So our gals, our angels, are out there working right now. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, I really appreciate them. And I really appreciate them at this time of year because they sacrifice so that they can go out and take care of, uh, of other people. And they truly are angels. So here's to all the caregivers who are working on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And we'll be working on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And those people are, are the backbone of the home care business. And we are really grateful to have them with us. So I had a kind of a quiet week this week. I didn't do a, a heck of a lot. Uh, things kind of start winding down here. It is a day of commerce here in Norfolk County, but uh, it will end early. Uh, the day will probably start to wind down around two or three. People start to get antsy to get off work and to get home and to start their Christmas celebrations. With Christmas right in the middle of the week, it seems we're, like we're going to go from a weekend to Christmas to a weekend, and uh, the, the week will go very rapidly because of that. So I did have a quiet week. Uh, I am enjoying a quiet time now. I have had some terrible insomnia, though. I'll tell you, I have to figure out uh, how to sleep at night again. You'd think that that would be something that you just know how to do. But uh, every now and then, you just your body forgets how to sleep, or at least mine does. So it's quite early in the morning here, quite nice. I remember last week I was talking about all that beautiful snow that was falling, and uh, that was last Tuesday. But uh, this Tuesday, uh, we are going. We looks like we're going to have a green Christmas. It's certainly uh, all of the snow that fell last week is gone. The roads are clear. Uh, we can see the grass again. And uh, it's not really looking all that Christmassy, except for all the beautiful lights. And I'll tell you, I even felt a little Christmassy this week, and I put some lights up outside. I wasn't even going to this year, but uh, I got out there and put some lights out, got the house looking a little bit brighter, and it is such a dark time of year. It is great to have those Christmas lights. They really do brighten things up. So this week I did go down and watch my son-in-law play hockey. My son-in-law was playing hockey as a, uh, he was a goalie, He's a, he is a goalie, and he was playing for the alumni of the local high school. And uh, they were playing against the student team, which would, would have been, um, you know, all young uh, seniors in high school, and it was against this alumni team. So I went in to watch the game. It was halftime when I got there. So the second half starts. My son-in-law looks up at me, waves, so he sees I'm there. And the score is 4-1 for my son-in-law's team. First shot on goal, it's 4-2. Next shot on goal, it's 4-3. I thought, oh my God, what have I done? I've, got, I've jinxed his game here. I've come to watch him, and now he's uh, letting in every shot. 
So that was the end of that, though, thank God. Because as it uh, continued, he made a few more saves. Uh, the score did end 4-3, and uh, his team won. So I was happy for that. And he was quite pleased for me to uh, to be there. I tell you, I, I don't go in the arena a lot anymore because my kids are all older. I certainly have started to go again with the grandkids. My uh, youngest grandchild is playing hockey. Because, you know, we are living in Norfolk County, and we are in Canada. So, um, you know, hockey is hockey's king around here but I hadn't been in the arena for a while I walk into the arena and the first thing that hits you is that BO smell that body odor smell and you know you know you get used to it after a few minutes but it really does uh, impact you <laughs> as you uh, as you walk into the arena all right so it's Christmas Eve and here I am without a gift for my wife this is not unusual. There have been many other Christmases where I haven't had a, had a gift for my wife. As you know, the I See Old People podcast is uh, presented because I am now a senior, and I'm trying to look at what senior life is like through my eyes. And one of the things that I found is that I, I've a, I'm one of those longtime married cotton tops. So I've been married for uh, over 35 years. Uh, that's a lot of gifts. It's a lot of birthday gifts. It's a lot of Christmas gifts. It's a lot of just random gifts. So when Christmas comes along, if there's not something really significant to uh, to give to the wife, to present to the wife as a gift for Christmas, then I just don't give her anything. Now, in some years, I've given her money. Uh, some years, I've bought her an outfit of some type with very, very poor success. And, uh, well, the worst gift that I ever gave her, definitely, it is in the record books as the, the worst possible gift that I could have given my wife. And it was early in our marriage. Uh, it was a brutal mistake. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to share it so that everyone else out there will never make the same mistake. Um, anyway, I just thought it would just be awesome to get a brand new Electrolux vacuum cleaner and present it to my wife for Christmas. Uh, to make it even worse as a gift, I went ahead and bought the big cushion-like box that the Electrolux vacuum cleaner used to come in. It was a big box that had a... Um, you could sit on it. You could use it as a piece of furniture. It was so big. And then the top lifted up and you took the vacuum cleaner out. So, <clears throat> and then I wrapped it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then I wrapped it. And uh, that was... Uh, that was probably the biggest mistake because it looked like this enormous, giant, awesome gift sitting there waiting for her to unwrap. When she unwrapped it on Christmas Day and saw that it was a vacuum cleaner, I will never forget the look on her face. Nothing had to be said, but I still get ribbed about that vacuum cleaner gift uh, frequently, at least once a year. So uh, I learned my lesson to definitely uh, stay away from uh, household appliances, particularly vacuum cleaners, as Christmas gifts. So I would rather just not buy a Christmas gift at all. Uh, just It's just not that important anymore. At 35 years married, I don't expect anything from her. She doesn't really expect anything from me, I hope or I think. And uh, we just kind of carry on. Sometimes there is a nice gift. I gave her a beautiful trip to Croatia a few years ago. That was awesome. 
uh, and sometimes there's just something that really clicks and really fits and then I'll go ahead and get that for her but there was nothing like that this year so anyway enough of that this isn't going to be one of those podcasts where I talk about all kinds of random things we've got a very dedicated podcast here today we are going to be presenting an interview with Mr. Art Hayward Art Hayward is a 95 year old World War II veteran he's a really interesting fellow he's a dedicated man he has served the community of Norfolk County he was originally from Toronto he has a wonderful story uh, as a um, veteran that I think you will really enjoy I've been talking about this interview for a while because I was really excited to have Art sit down with me and he was the very first interview that I did so I uh, apologize if the quality isn't the best but I, I do really really want to present this to you today Christmas Eve is a perfect time to honor our veterans so that you can say with just with certainty that you know we are so blessed to have had these people fight for us and create the country that we now enjoy today. So I am forever in debt to art, and I'm just thrilled uh, with the fact that I got to sit down with him and talk with him. One of the things that art was involved in when he was in the army was uh, the mustard gas experiments that were performed on so many military men. 2,000 military men were involved in these experiments. They, were, they volunteered for it without knowing what they were volunteering for. Uh, it was, uh, it, they were deadly. Uh, many became very, very ill. Uh, Art had no idea what he was volunteering for, uh, and then he was sent uh, to Ottawa. A thousand were sent to Ottawa, and a thousand were sent to Cold Lake, Alberta and they were basically experimented on to see what the effects of ma mustard gas would be like. So uh, without doing this type of thing, then we really wouldn't have learned a lot. But at that time, the fact that there was so little consent that was given, uh, Art really didn't know what he was getting into at all. I've been promoting this po uh, podcast uh, and this interview with Art, and I got some feedback on our Facebook page. Uh, one was from Denise Turcott, and Denise Turcott says, Thank you, sir, for your service. Now, that's a very common saying. I hear that all the time whenever I travel in the States. Whenever a veteran comes into a restaurant or a coffee shop, people will say, Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, sir. It's very respectful, and I think it's a habit that we're going to see more and more of in Canada. It's a very respectful way to uh, speak to our veterans. Thank you for your service, sir. We also got a note from John Johnson, and John Johnson says uh, in his note on our Facebook page, My dad took part in those mustard gas experiments. I can remember him going to Sunnybrook for treatments. His whole body was a massive rash. Mum would put Zambuck all over him. Zambuck was a, so a salve. It was not a pretty sight. So a little bit of feedback on this very uh, interesting time that Art is going to talk about in our interview. So sit back and enjoy. I really am excited to present to you on Christmas Eve my interview with Art Hayward. Thank you. 
Okay, well, I'm really happy to have Art Hayward here in the office, here in the studio with me today. Uh, welcome, Art. Thank you very much. Good okay. to be here. Uh, Art is... Of course, uh, at my age, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> isn't that the truth? <laughs> so, uh, Art, Art is uh, 95 years young, uh, and uh, I, I actually read a story about you while I was researching. I was reading the story uh, about you in the Simcoe Reformer, about you laying the wreath this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was really an honor. Yes, yeah. you laid the wreath, uh, the wreath at the Cenotaph. Uh, no, at the... Uh, at the Warriors Day Parade at the uh, uh, fair. Okay, so that was the redone uh, Warriors Day Parade. They yeah. brought it back this year. Yeah. Oh, have you ever done that before? Have you been in that before? Oh, I, well, as a man from years ago, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they asked you to come back and, and this year? Well, I've been uh, affiliated with the fair for 25 years. What type of things did you do with the, do, do you do with the fair? Announced for the special events okay. for 25 years. Wow. This year. Wow. <laughs> so you started doing that when you were uh, 70. Yeah. <laughs> My I goodness. just retired from home hardware and wanted to do something at the fair. And my friend said, well, you can sell tickets, advanced tickets. And I thought, cooped up in little thing yeah. that's not for me okay and I said no I don't want to do that well she said we I think we're going to need an, an, an announcer I said well I can handle that because I was in arena business and of course that included announcing and uh, different things okay uh, you worked at an arena yeah uh, I was a manager oh okay so you were do announcements over the PA? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it kind of came natural to you. Yeah. Okay, so you've been doing that each year now for 25 years. Yeah. Plan on doing it next year? Well, this would be my 25th, and this is, I want this to be my last, but they don't want me to go. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they'll keep you on as an honorary announcer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, of course, you're a Second World War uh, II vet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which regiment did you serve with? Uh, I was with the uh, Infantry Corps. Infantry. But I was with all kinds of stuff. I was with headquarters company, and so I never did get training. I always was with headquarters company, was with a band. Okay. I was a musician. Oh, that's interesting. And so, but one thing I did do back in... Forty, uh, forty-five. They, they were scared that the Germans were going to use mustard gas like they did in 1918. Okay. And so they, I was stationed at um, exhibition grounds. Okay, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah with about three thousand other, and they wanted sixty men, volunteers. Well, you don't volunteer in the army. I found that out. <laughs> anyway, I was one of the volunteers. To do what? To, to well, we didn't know. We thought we were going to be guarding the parliament buildings or guarding the mint. Okay. Protecting the uh, prime minister. We got to uh, Ottawa, and they said, "No, you're going to be guinea pigs." Guinea pigs. Wow. Well, that took a whole different turn. 
but you'd already volunteered by then. Yeah, oh yeah. And so we had to go through a lot of private stuff, secret. We were going to, they took us to a farm just outside of Ottawa, and, and uh, we were going to be guinea pigs to see if they could counteract mustard gas with something, and we were going to be the ones that would be trying it. So they were going to expose you to the mustard gas yeah. and then see if they could help you with it. They that. painted my arms, well one arm with uh, iodine, the other arm with uh, mustard gas. This arm, the, the iodine didn't do anything. The mustard gas in about a week come up in a great big bubble. Oh. And they wanted the solution out of that bubble so that they could take that out and figure out what to do to counteract mustard gas. Now, I wasn't the only one. There were 60 of us. Right. Do you know if they had any success with that program? Like, Well, right after that, the war was over. Oh, okay. So that was canceled. Okay. But we could not say anything about it when we got back to our, our uh, depot. Okay. We could not even mention where we were or anything. Is and it, so well, it was fine. It didn't bother me, and didn't bother my arm. Right. Well, once that blister cleared up on your arm, it you was were fine, fine after that, and yeah. you didn't experience any health problems. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, yeah. did you go into the service as a young man? Like at seventeen. You were seventeen. So the war was going on at that time. Yeah, it was in forty-four. Okay. I was. It was almost over. Right. And they wanted. Uh, I tried uh, the Air Force, the Navy, and the Army as a musician. Okay. They didn't want musicians at that time. So anyway, I got in the Army and was stationed at the, at the exhibition grounds, mm -hmm. and they had a trumpet band there. So whenever I got to a, to a uh, posting, I'd always look up the band, okay. and I got in the band right away. Oh, that's excellent. So are you a trumpet player? Yourself? Yeah. Okay. So what would a band do within the army? What did just entertain the troops? No. No. Uh, the trumpet band would get them up in the morning. Uh, Reveille. Yep. Okay. And uh, we'd march through the uh, through the Coliseum. Okay. And it was terrible. The echo. Oh. Anyway. The echo of the marching? No, the, the bugle. Oh, the playing. bugle. Oh. <laughs> and the, uh, then we'd, uh, we'd have to call them for parades, for dinners, for parades, and they'd have certain buglers who would call for uh, officers, sergeants, whatever, because they didn't have the equipment that they have now. Okay. It was all done by runners or bugle. Right, to communicate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a fellow, uh, you might have known him, Jim Buck. He uh, he was a fellow I knew quite a few years ago, and he was a linesman. Oh, yeah. And he explained that to me, that he would run to the, from the front lines, yeah. he'd run back to, with, with a telephone line, basically, right. so yeah. that they could speak to each yeah. other from the command post to the front line. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea that that's what a linesman was. Yeah. So now you're telling me that a bugler wasn't just to entertain, the bugler was there to inform that's right. them what to do. And you, you uh, blew the last post at night, because they always lowered the flag in those days. Okay. 
So did you always serve in in Canada, or did you go overseas? No, I didn't get overseas. Okay, the war ended before. I was too young, and uh, I had a chance, but they said, well, you could go to uh, Germany and clean up. And I thought, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to Germany <laughs> and clean up my mess, that the mess that the guys made. Yeah. So I stayed with headquarters company in different areas all over Canada. So you, after the war ended, you still stayed in the military? For, oh, yeah. For a few years? Yeah. How, how long do you? Uh, well, I got out, then I went back in in 49. Oh, okay. As a, as a master musician with the RCR band in Belleville. Okay. I presented my credentials to the bandmaster. And I thought he'd say, oh, great, we're glad. No. He said, you know, Hayward, we really don't need you. I just enlisted for five years, and he don't need me. Oh, no. So I thought, well, I'm in trouble here because I'm not going to get along with this man. And, of course, I didn't. He gave me every dirty job you could think of. And were you with him for the full five years? No. No. I actually applied to the regiment uh, we were the band was attached to the regiment, and they were like a island under their own. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Well, you can." Uh, I applied to the regiment, so I got in the regiment. Okay, which was the best thing I ever did. It, for what reason? Why was it the best thing? Well, I got my jump wings, paratroop. Excellent. Okay. You had to be a paratrooper in order to belong to the regiment. Okay. And uh, I was one of the last ten men to go and get my wings with the regiment. Oh, so the training that you got from them is what you really valued. So oh yeah. Much. Okay. Yeah. Did you use any? Did you jump at all after that? Oh yeah, I jumped uh, about uh, eight or nine. After, but all was in Canada, and one, two that really stood out. Was I made a? You had to make a night jump, and I was always about 130 pounds, pretty light. <laughs> and I was the first man out of the plane, and the last man down. We made the night jump, and they said, "Okay, when you hit the field, you say your number, and okay." Well. There were ten guys on this. They call it a stick. Okay. There was ten guys on the stick. Nine guys had answered. They were on the ground. The jump master on the ground said, "Number one, where are you?" And I said, "Sir, I'm right above you. I'm still coming down." <laughs> well, <laughs> of course, that was just everybody just roared. Oh, that's funny. I never thought about it until right now that the weight, your weight, would have so much oh, would be yeah. so important to uh, para- yeah. to jumping out of a yeah. plane. If you were light, you'd have to jump first. If you were heavier, well, you'd jump last. Then. No, well, it's it really just, interesting. It just happened that uh, I was so small that they could kick me right out. <laughs> Anyway, another one, I was jumping, we were jumping in the uh, Ottawa River. Uh, water La- landing jump. in the river. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, my mother and my wife and kids happened to be in Petawawa at that time, and so they were up on the hill watching. I come out, and I had the only white chute. All the other chutes were colored. 
and all of a sudden this white chute comes out, that's me, and the wind come down the Ottawa Valley and caught me, and I'm going down the Ottawa Valley, and the river like I'm on a surfboard. Oh my. <laughs> anyway, they finally caught me, because <laughs> I couldn't pull, a, pull the uh, risers, because they were nylon, and they just slipped out of my hand. Okay, and those would have been the parachutes, the big round. Oh yeah, and, uh, and yeah. You, you pulled the cord. Or okay. the the uh, plane pulled the cord, okay. and it was only about a thousand feet, wow. so that's not very high. Wow. Yeah. So uh, l let me ask you a little bit more about what life's like for you presently. You know, you're 95 years old. You live here in uh, in Simcoe, Ontario. Uh, do you still drive? Oh yeah. Okay, so you go for your driver's license every couple of years. Yeah, I'm going this September or this January. I hope I get it. You've got a lot of experience taking that test. That don't mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep adding new things to it, I know. So it, it's probably a fairly high-stress event every, oh, yeah. every two years for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you live on your own? Yeah. Yeah? You have an apartment or a house? Yeah, house, apartment. An apartment. My wife died six, nah, six years ago. Okay. All right. So. Up until then, did you live together in the apartment? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what's life now like for you now? You uh, you get out much? You get out of the house much? Well, every usually every morning, about 8 o'clock, I go up and have coffee with the guys up at, uh, up at McDonald's at Walmart. Oh, excellent. Good. About okay. 5 or 6 or 10, you know. So you solve a few of the problems of the world oh, yeah. over coffee. Quite Good. often. Quite often, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's a, a that's a daily routine, like Monday oh, to yeah. Friday? Okay. And uh, now this morning I didn't go because I didn't get out until 7.30. Oh, okay. I usually up about 4. Around 4? Yeah. I was a milkman at Casual Dairy, so I always got up at early. Okay. So it's just part of you now. Yeah. Yeah. So... So let me see. So you've been in the military. You, you're a paratrooper. You uh, are bugler. You worked at Home Hardware for a number of years. Yeah. Um, I was arena manager. Arena manager. What was the one you just said? You just said one other one. Um, oh, no, milkman. Milkman. Casual dairy. <laughs> Did I miss yeah. any? Anything else? No, that's about it. Wow. Now, that's quite a, a, but, a, a, a life. It seemed that every five years, instead of uh, paying rent, we moved. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you live in uh, this area? Like, I know you said you were in Peterborough for a while, but were you I in I came from Toronto. Toronto, actually, originally. And I came here um, during the war when they had an army camp here. Oh, over in Hagersville? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Typical. Oh, there was one here? Second Avenue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was the army camp. Yeah. It's all those their storage buildings now. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you were stationed there. And uh, I was Camp Bugler until they closed that station. Oh, okay. And did you then settle in Simcoe after that? No, went to. Uh, I wasn't married yet, but I met my wife. She was from Simcoe. Oh, okay. That's who. That's how you got here. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, I got to tell you, we're glad you you settled with Simcoe. You've been a wonderful addition to our community. I wow. uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming in today and talking to us, and uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing more about your exploits in the future. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot, Art.
I hope you enjoyed that interview with Art Hayward. He was a terrific fellow to sit down with for my first interview, and I look forward to having many, many more interviews with people from the silent generation, the peoples whose voices we are losing right now. So this memory project has been very close to my heart, and we, were going to be, we are going to be capturing a number of interviews. Next week, we're going to have another interview on New Year's Eve with uh, George Pond, a bird watcher, a businessman, a community builder, a terrific guy, and I hope you will, enjoy, you will join us next week for our interview with George Pond. In the meantime, if you want to contact us, please leave a comment of some type. You can come to our webpage, which is icoldpeople.ca. That's .ca, not .com. icoldpeople.ca. You can come to our Facebook page, the IC Old People Facebook page. And as well, on any platform, if you were to give us a like or to give us a follow, it would really be appreciated. We'll see you next week. Once again, this has been the I See Old People podcast with Dr. Bruce, your host. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you and Merry Christmas. <laughs>